up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast, and this is our new segment that we're starting. It's called Message Monday. What Message Monday is going to be is on Sundays, we'll take one of the sermons that uh, our pastor or one of the ministers will share, and we're going to upload them on Monday morning so you guys can have some more content and uh, more things to listen to as you can grow from and learn from. Um, we're looking forward to being able to do this. We've had a lot of people request it, but this is our first message Monday. Um, so this is our pastor. He's going through his um, series of the book of Romans, and this message that he goes through is about how the gospel should lead to repentance. So we're looking forward to this. We hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, let's join our pastor now. Your Bibles, if you will, and let's go over to uh, the book of Romans again. We're going to move on just a little bit, and... Uh, I want to tell you, um, <clears throat> tell you how the gospel works. Um, you, you would think over the years that we wouldn't base the outcome on anything that's happened inside the fellowship or any, any, um, any one song or any one message. Um, <clears throat> tonight, we're going to talk on the subject how the gospel leads people to repent. And um, this morning at the end of the service... Uh, it may have been a quiet today. It may have been just a little different than, than a lot of times here in the chapel. But um, at the end of the service, we had a person come up that could not leave this place until they made things right with God. And I'm just going to tell you, only God can do that work right there. You may be sitting here during the service thinking, you know what I'm saying? That is good, oh, so good stuff, preacher. But But you never know what God is doing. And uh, I know that he lines things up his ways and not our ways. Uh, I'm going to tell you a text that I still can't get over. When I look at Jacob and Esau, and I look at how that come about, or when you read about how the mother got involved for to get the younger son the blessing, then the older, you know what I'm talking about? And then you read the text where it runs over, and she basically says, I'll bear this burden throughout my life, but it... The promise of the spiritual seed wasn't based on anything that she did, but in God choosing. So whenever we think about this is that uh, when we look as far as what the gospel, when he enlightens through his word, it's a work that he does that we cannot. So that's why as we look into this tonight, uh, we're going to talk about how the gospel leads people to repent. And uh, <clears throat> very good text. We're going to start in verse number 10, Romans 2, verse number 10, if you'll... You'll stand today for receiving for reading God's word. We'll read through sixteen. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accuse or else excusing one another. Verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Father, I want to thank you again tonight for your word and for the opportunity that we have today. And, Lord, realizing that even though it may change, that the gospel will always go out. And, Father, you've got a message to mankind to repent. And, Father, men and women alike have been proclaiming this message all throughout time. Father, I pray tonight that, knowing it's not any less or 
Father, not any less powerful, but tonight the gospel does have the power to save. And Lord, I know that, it, that Lord, as it, it drew me, and Father, even though that I didn't understand everything about it, you'll see the preaching of the cross, that we'd have mercy and find out, Father, that we could be redeemed. But also we, we realize that, Father, that when the Holy Spirit made his abode on the inside, it also made a new creature at the same time. And I thank you, Father, for that, for the enlightenment of the Scriptures, how it, it draws me to the table to realize that how far away I can be without the gospel and without the Spirit. I want to thank you for the church, Lord, and how it impacts my life and the need that I have for it to be around God's people. And I pray, Lord, tonight as we go through this, help us be able to rightly divide it as we've studied it, Father, and be able to explain it in a way that we can see the intention of the gospel. We thank you for this time and this opportunity, and we pray the prayer of faith. And all those that are here tonight said... Amen, amen. Have your seat if you will. So, as we, as we read down through here, we see that, um, that, that God basically, that he can, he can judge fairly between the Gentile and the Jew based on verse number 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. So it's according to every individual's deeds. That's how God can judge fairly. And the deeds that we all know is what's initiated from the heart. The heart is desperately wicked, right? Deceitful above all things. And the Bible said, who can know it? From the heart proceedeth forth, right? The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the conscience in the heart, we realize that there's a, there's an intertwining there as we look down in verse 15 of that. We see that the conscience also bearing witness. So as we look and see how God's going to be able to judge, he, he's not going to have a problem at all with how that he judges mankind regardless of who they are. And then you've got those that was in verse number seven. You've got those that, that are saved, that are, um, you know, they're, they're living out, they're living out the scriptures throughout their life and it ends in eternal life. Then you get those in verse number eight and nine. And now all of a sudden you've got the opposite of that. You've got the people that are unsaved whose life ends under the wrath of God. We've spent some time talking about the wrath of God. But either way, we see that judgment, it's not going to be escaped. That judgment is the end result. Hebrews 9 and 27 is one of your reference texts. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. And judgment is going to come. Then you have the reason um, why they end up in judgment, which in verse number 8 talks about that, because they do not obey the truth. That is why they end up in judgment and says, but unto them that are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. So when you ask the question, what is truth? There's a reference text in your Bibles. It'll run you over to second Thessalonians verse one, um, um, chapter one, verse number eight. And I want you to look what it says, flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Look that, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look at this subject tonight. As we talk about this, there's a lot to not obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot involved with people that make decisions not to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's some things that we're going to talk about because the, the question is, how can God basically judge someone from their works? How can God judge someone by their works? I mean, that came out of verse number six. But see, here's the part about it is that I cannot judge people by their works because I don't know the intent of the heart. But God can judge a person by their works. And again, he can look and see whether the person is spiritual or not. The Bible says that he knows those that are his, those that belong to him. So God knows the intent. He knew between the Pharisee, right, and the Christian. He knew the difference between the two. So knowing that, God can, 
He can fairly judge based on their works. He knows the motives. Now, in Romans chapter 2, in verse 10 through 16, as we went through this, and as we read through it, we can see that salvation is accompanied, not, not by, but is accompanied by works. And there's a reference text to this because 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, and I want to read the wall on this right here, and I want you to see what this says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, when ye, when ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, your heaven is through manifold temptation. Look, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praises and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, but yet believing, ye rejoice, joy unspeakable, and the Bible says, in full of glory." Receiving the end of your faith, look, even the salvation of your soul. And basically what it's talking about, salvation being accompanied by works is, is when you look, that, and I wrote this down, I want you to listen. The trial of a person's faith is only through a person living out and obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are no trials for knowledge only, there's no reason for it. Do you see that? There are no reason for trials for people who have a head knowledge. But to those, as in Peter said, those that endure to the end, there will be trials in their life because they are obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a dip. That's why when it says that, that salvation is accompanied by works, that means that there will be fruit produced unto God. Some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. The equipment of the Holy Spirit in the believer's heart is to equip us, right, to be able to carry out the ministry or the function of the part of the body that we serve in the body of Christ. So as you start looking down through here, you're going to start seeing the difference now. I mean, it's almost like a parallel. He starts talking about in verses 12, 13, 14, and 15. Now all of a sudden he's saying, okay, so God's not a respecter of persons and God's going to be able to judge the works of people. And here's the thing about it is that the gospel is leading people to repent. Those are things that you have to realize. Only God could reveal to that person this morning that they needed to repent, right? Only God can do that. Only gospel can do that. You can share the gospel a hundred times and none of us have the power to put, to put repentance in someone's heart. We can tell them they're bad. We can tell them things they're doing is wrong. Listen, we can tell them that it's going to end up in destruction. But when God gets hold of the heart and he shakes the heart, then all of a sudden they realize there's nothing else that they can do. I mean, they can, they can reject that gospel, right? And they cannot surrender to it. But when the Holy Spirit of God gives them an opportunity to come to faith through repentance and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the moralist, for the Jew, and for the Gentile. Now, all of a sudden, we've got the mindset inside the people, the Gentiles talking about, well, we don't have the law and the Jews have the law and they have an advantage of being able to be exposed to that. But now you're going to look and see 
as you start studying this, how God even divides that out. Because when you start thinking about having the law or not having the law, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with humanity. The problem is called sin. Sin is the issue that God is dealing with. So when we start seeing how God's not a respecter of persons concerning the Jew or the Gentile, and see, here's the thing about it, because both of them has the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a time right, that the law stood. There was a time it was holy, it was just, and it's good. It still is. But see, here's the part about it now. The law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. No one could meet the standard. No one could live out the line. No one could be the sacrifice. The law was never designed to save the soul for what it could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, right? And because of that, now the Jew is without excuse and now the Gentile not having the law is without excuse because now they've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, when we read in Romans, whether we read in Hebrews, regardless of where we read in the New Testament, what we find out is that this gospel should lead you to repent. If you think you're holier than thou, then the gospel should, should be able to penetrate the heart and lead you to repentance. If, you're, if you think it's your works, it's knowledge that you have of God, let me just say, there's a lot of people in hell tonight that know a lot of things about God. They knew a lot of things about him, but the problem was when the rich man died, he just didn't care to listen to the preaching, to Moses and the prophets. And because of that, he ended up in a place that he didn't expect to go, and he had no choice. There was no rewinding of life. He couldn't get a message back to his brethren. So that's why it's very important to listen to the gospel. I want you to hear me tonight. If you don't hear anything else that I say, when the Holy Spirit of God is dealing your heart and the message is speaking to you, I mean, it was like the person said this morning. It's like everything that you said read my life. Everything that you said was about me. Everything, and here's the part about it. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can grab hold of a person like that. And I said, I don't know you from Adam. I, I don't know anything about your life. But this is what I do know, is that when the gospel begins to lead you to repentance, then you need to come quickly. You need to come right then. I mean, there might have been fear about the crowd. There might have been fear about coming during the invitation. But when you can't get in the car because the gospel's got a hold of you, then my friends, you need to respond when God's speaking to your heart. Do you believe that tonight? How do you know the gospel leads you to repentance? Well, I'm glad you asked. Listen, this is good. I was running some reference text on this, and I'm going to tell you, it blessed my heart whenever that I was running these reference texts out because here's the example that you find. So in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, let me read this to you. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, and that's breaking it, right? These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their conscience, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So so basically what it's saying right here's the example. I mean, you've got this illustration right here of the Gentile that don't have the law, but whenever they break the law, right, then all of a sudden it's going to give you a reference text. And your reference text will run you over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Now, this is the ESV version, and, and I appreciate the verbiage of this, and I, I want to read this, and I want you to listen to this. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife. Are you, are you, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit and as if present, 
I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sanctified. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy of the swindlers or adulterers since the world, you need to go out into the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what I, for what I have I to do with judging outsiders? Look, is it not those inside the church whom ye are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Now, what I want you to look at right here is that now you've got this example and you're seeing how that you've got the Gentile, right? You've got the Gentile without the law, but now you look within the church and now with inside the church, they've got a person in there and listen, they're living an immoral lifestyle. And, and that reference text, the reason it runs you over there because this is what the power of the gospel has. The gospel will purge a person and the gospel will lead people to repentance because when you start looking here, now noticing the conscience in verse number 15 of Romans chapter number 2 because see here's the thing about it when you start reading this right here you had a Gentile right and now you've had a person that's made a profession of faith in Christ now that this person has made a profession of faith in Christ and even though they wasn't raised in the law even that they have broken the law and because of that then all of a sudden you start looking which show the works of the law written in their hearts and in their conscience. So here's what the Bible's saying when he starts talking about this. You're seeing now that they're aware. You say, how do you know that he's aware? There's another reference text that runs you to the awareness of this individual that's over there. I mean, that's how all this is coming together. Acts 24 and 25. And look what it says. And as he reasoned of righteousness, timbers, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered... Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, he said, I'll call for you. And what that's showing is, is that when the gospel is leading some place to repentance, just like it was in Felix here, is that they understood that what they were doing was wrong. The problem in the Corinthian church is that there was immorality inside the fellowship, and they, they weren't dealing with it. And they wasn't dealing with what was going on because what he's trying to tell them is, and even though that person might have been convicted, listen, any one of us in this room tonight can sin against God. I mean, we can do the most debased sins that they are. Everybody has the opportunity. Everybody has the ability. There's enough fallenness in you to go as far as beyond as you have once before, but not without enlightenment, not without the Holy Spirit of God bringing conviction, not without you understanding the gospel. And there's no excuse for the Gentile to say, the law doesn't apply to me because when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of the law has been fulfilled inside of you who walk not after the flesh, but now you walk after the Spirit. Do you see that? So now all of a sudden what he's saying is, now this person, right, 
They've sinned against God and they're not obeying the Holy Spirit of God. And, and to a point, they, they might, they might be afraid just for a little bit. But see, even the gospel will lead that person to repentance. The problem is, is that when the person is unwilling to repent and then all of a sudden it becomes prevalent inside the church, that's when he says the church has the responsibility of looking with inside the fellowship and knowing those that you labor among. And when there are things like that that arise inside of the fellowship, God holds us responsible for the things that we allow to go on knowingly of what's going on inside the fellowship. Why? Because one, it's against the law of God, right? And now we've got maybe a brother that's sinning against God. And when you start studying this out, I mean, think about this. This is why that when we go to that person, it's to bring an awareness so hopefully it will lead them to repentance. I want you to think about this in your lifetime. Have you ever had somebody come to you in your life when you was walking at a guilty distance, when you was out of fellowship with God? Has God ever sent people your way to come and try to gain you back to come? I mean, they've been to my house. They come a many a times. And see, here's the thing about him is that when they came, their goal was not to run me away, but their goal was to get me back. And I want you to think about this. When you put this in context to how that it's written down and you think about that if this person, when you make them aware of the sin that they're doing and, and them knowing, but see, here's the part about it is that a lot of times when this, when a sin like this is committed and God's not doing anything about it, it seems like, I mean, but, but think about it. It's going to have an impact inside the fellowship. knowing when you've got people that, that listen, having your father's wife and there you are living in sexual immorality. You see what I'm talking about inside the fellowship and, and to an extent boasting and not handling that. So when you read what it's said there in the ESV version, he's saying, you know what, church, you, you have responsibility and you need to go to that person because not only is God against it, but the church should be against it, right? If you agree with it, then you condone it. And he's saying, but here's the whole thing is that whenever that you go and you go to that person, the, the whole part about it is to restore the person. It's trying to get them to see that what they're doing is wrong. And then all of a sudden when you go, I mean, if they reject it, I mean, they won't, they won't quit doing it, then the Bible says, then you put them outside the church. You put them, listen, censure is one of the last things that a church ever, ever, ever wants to do. But if it's someone that's made a profession of faith in Christ and listen, they're living an immoral lifestyle and when you go to try to win that brother back, when you go to try to get them back because we know it's going to end in trouble. We know that it's going to end in misery. But when you go and they won't come, when you go and they won't repent, then here's the next step. When you turn them outside of the fellowship, Listen, it's not by our own power because it's hard to turn somebody out. But when you turn them out and this, you know what? You're hoping that them not being able to be in fellowship, them not being able to come and worship, right? Them not being able to come. Because when you read through all these examples, you say, preacher, it's just not like that anymore. We don't handle things like that anymore. But see, my friends, here's the thing about it. That's why a lot of people's not being one anymore. It's why when they go off into those sins, they just go off and keep going in it. And see, here's the thing about it. What I've seen in ministry throughout my life is that when you confront things like that and you realize that for the first time, listen, if you can get to them sooner and quicker, you might win them back. And But if you don't, if you let it go, I mean, think about this. Imagine what it would cause in the church if we had a son who had his father's wife and they were sleeping together. Could you imagine what a heyday the devil would have inside of this fellowship if that was going on? I mean, think about that. And the next thing you know, you don't deal with it. 
you leave it there. I mean, you leave it sitting there. When they wrote the, the letters, the letters to the church of Revelation, they said, we even know where Satan's seat is inside the house of God. And that's why when we start looking at this, that's why we've got to go forward. That's why that there's times that you have to pull people out of ministry positions for a little while and hopefully they'll repent and turn and get where they need to be but you can't leave it going that way and see here's the thing about it is that you're doing it with a sincere heart just like to the Corinthian church it wasn't to run this guy off so he could go off and live in debauchery and go off and live that lifestyle the whole intent was you know what we're serious about your life God's serious about your life and he wants you to walk according to his word because the church is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's hard. It is. It doesn't matter if it's your son or my son, your daughter or my daughter. Listen, it applies to all that's made a profession of faith in Christ and pray to God that whenever that it comes to that point, that listen, if you're unwilling to repent, then here's what the Bible says. We've got to break fellowship with you. We're not going to be your buddy next week. We're not going to be eating with you. We're going to withdraw ourselves from you just hoping that that has an impact on your life because you know what it's like to be in good fellowship in good standing and be amongst the family of God. And I'm telling you, this is hard stuff. I mean, it's hard when you look at this, but when you start running your references and you start looking how serious God is about the church. And when you start looking how he's saying, you know what, regardless of who you are, listen, we know that the Corinthian church had a lot of Gentiles. They come with a lot of baggage, but it still don't make it right. Listen, when you make a profession of faith, then the gospel of Jesus Christ should be the source of truth that we live by. And let me just say this. The more that I learn about this, the more that I study about his word, the more it leads me to repenting more than I ever have been before. It shows me, listen, how my mind can get off track. It shows me how my thoughts can go far away. It shows me, listen, how incapable in my nighttime of sleeping, in my dreams, how that I can have bad dreams. It shows me that apart from God, that I still be lost. But imagine this, that whenever that you've got this person and, and there's sin inside the camp, right? We know what happens happened in the Old Testament. We know how God dealt with that. But now all of a sudden when we're looking at this, we're seeing that the gospel will lead people to... Let me just say this. There's an old saying, and I'm not going to say it because it deals with a with a lady sweating, sitting in there preaching a, you know, well, she's got a different lifestyle versus a man as well. But let me just say, when you're living an immoral lifestyle and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you better expect that when you come, that God's going to deal with you. The preacher's always going to be preaching at you. Why? Because God has a word for us when we are out of his will. Every time that I went to fellowship, you know what I dreaded? How the preacher was going to read my book, right? And even though he hadn't been around, I mean, the word of God does that. It, it examines me. And because of that, I was waiting to get out of there, waiting. If I could just make it today, if I can get to that last invitation, I can get out of there and get away from that. Why would a man in his right mind have a mindset like that? You know why? Because, listen, our sin, sometimes it captivates us. Sometimes our sin, it makes us unwilling to repent. Let me just say, sometimes our sin prevents us from even making a step forward. Let, let me let me Let me share something with you right here. If the gospel is to lead us to repentance... I mean, even the mercy, think about this. All the times that people have heard the word of God and they've heard the preaching of this, I mean, even to the person in the fellowship that's not willing to repent that know Jesus. Now, think about this. The word repentance, if you look it up, I want you to listen to what it says. I love it when you look into this because, and I'm not smart, 
But when I look and see how a word derives from another word when it's translated, I want you to listen what repentance means. So, so 3341 is where, where it derives from, right? All right. And to 3340. So it means, 3341 means to think differently or afterwards, that is reconsider. All right. So then all of a sudden repentance comes from that. So to think differently afterwards or to reconsider, then the feeling of guilt from doing something bad, including reformation by implication, look, a reversal. Do you see that? So here's what it's saying. When the gospel begins getting in a person's heart, when a person truly repents, then all of a sudden that means they think differently. Afterwards, there's going to be a change. Do you see that? And the guilt that you had before now all of a sudden includes a reformation, a changing of the way that it was. Do you know what that means? That you address the sin issue, that you have to go and face it. You, you have to face your weakness. I'm preaching to the preacher right now. You have to face the issues that you have and you have to solely make a decision in your mind and in your heart that you're going to not not just rebuke it because I've rebuked sin, <clears throat> reoccurring sin an awful lot, but let me just say, I keep finding myself rebuking the same thing. But whenever that you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you truly repent, then there will be a plan of development that after that repentance comes that you are going to go and you are going to make changes changes. You're going to do whatever you've got to do to prevent yourself from falling in the same manner that you have over and over and over again. And see, here's the part about it is that think about this. You've got the gospel of Jesus Christ and it it deals with the Christian to repent. And here's the thing about it. If that man in the Corinthian church, if he was turned out from the church and then he didn't repent and he, his lifestyle didn't change, then when it talked about turning him over so that his soul might be saved, there will be a recompense for the Christian that will not repent. And if it means God taking his life out early, his soul is going to be saved. He is going to make it to heaven. But my friends, he's not going to go the way that it was designed for him to go. And if he's unwilling to repent, then we have to realize it's like I shared this morning, chastening will come. You can take it for granted. It's going to come. But my friends, listen, if you only have a knowledge of God and you don't live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's not going to be a trial. When we talk about people living out their faith, you're not going to understand it. When we talk about sanctification and the process of growing in his word, you'll never have a desire to read his word because if it's only up here, then my friends, it's only a knowledge that you have about God. But when it gets down deep on the inside, it's a knowledge you have with God. And God lives on the inside of you and the gospel will now apply to you and it'll come out through you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And it's like this guy, we're going to find out whether or not the Grant, whether he's saved or not. What's going to happen is we're going to try to gain him back. We're going to go and try to get him to repent. We're going to take a brother. I mean, we're going to do all that we can do. But if he's not willing to do that, we're going to put him out like God said. And then hopefully that'll be something that'll draw him back. But know this is that God's still in control. And if he won't listen to the church, then he's not going to be able to come and let it be a hindrance there. Then God's still going to deal with that man. God 
is going to take him to glory. But here's the part about him. Is that, listen, that type of lifestyle, it brings a reproach, does it not? I mean, think about it. Gentiles having no law. We know the lifestyles they live. We know the life that we live. But when we think about it, whenever we commit things that the law is against, the Bible says in the heart and in the conscience, you know those things God has wired it inside of you. And then to those of us that are saved, the righteousness of the law had been fulfilled inside of us. And now we know those things. We know not to commit those things. But think about this. Then all of a sudden we look at repentance. I'm reviewing repentance, my repentance in a very different light now. Because think about this. The little things that we struggle on, maybe they're big things, however it is in your heart. Wouldn't it be crazy to go your whole life and trip over the same thing, knowing that it's there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Knowing that it's there. How do you deal with those things? Is it a matter of what's in the ear, what comes in the eye, right? All those avenues goes to the heart. And it's a heart issue. When the heart has a hatred towards sin, then you'll deal with those sin issues individually. You see what I'm talking They'll become a priority. Not a repentance and a walk away and, God, I'm good now. First John 1 and 9 all day long. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us. God, I'm, Lord, thank you for doing that. Thank you for being so kind. And go right back without even dealing with the issue. I mean, I shared with you guys this morning. I mean, you know, I look like a walrus trying to get up off the ground. I mean, I rock and I rock and I roll till I get up, right? All right? Unless you do something about it, it is not going to change. Do you see that? With the sin issue, if you never allow the gospel to live through you, it's never going to change. There comes a point where there's going to be a text and you read it and it's going to speak right to you. I mean, it's going to hit you right in the heart and you're going to be, God, you're right. I see this for the first time. I see how clear that it is, judging. I mean, you, I mean, you can name them all. Go through all those things. But when you look at what it says, the gospel leads you to repentance. If it can lead a sinner to faith in Jesus Christ, surely it can lead a saint to repentance, to a change of life, so the gospel can live out through them. And let me just say, thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His long-suffering. And listen, I want to say, it even applies to you and I. It's just not for people to be saved. It's so that, listen, we can continue to the end because Peter says that the trial of your faith, they are going to come. And when those trials come, if the gospel is not living throughout your life and you're not being able to overcome the sins that's in your life, then you're going to struggle through every trial just like a child would. But whenever you listen, when you get your feet shod, when you get your helmet on, when you get everything prepared, you will face your trials a wholly different way, realizing that God is always there with you. Right? What's the Bible say that when it's talking about everything we've been through, Jesus understands that. He was tempted in all manners we are, yet he was without. Do you see that? So think about this. Just think about this. It's amazing. Listen, I've been, I've been preaching a long time. But when it run me through all these reference texts, I'm going to tell you what, the light bulb, come on. It come on. Because on our best day, on our best week, and on our best month, we can become insensitive to the things that we know about ourselves but become very sensitive to the things we know about someone else. And even to the people that are unsaved, to the Gentile or to the Jew, to the moralist, to the religious person, 
It's going to take the power of the gospel to lead them to repentance. The Bible says unto us that believe it's the power of God and the salvation. But to those that don't believe, right, it's foolishness unto them. It don't register in their life. And let me just say this. I hope it never changes. With the understanding that I have now, I hope it intensifies. Because this is what I know. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there wouldn't be one of us sitting here tonight. I mean, think about it. The, the more enlightenment that you have of the gospel, the more you stare in that mirror and look at that man right in the eye and say, I know who you are. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm, listen, I'm not making an excuse and saying, grace, 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 I stand in grace. No. No, you know what it does? Draws you to the table to look at the little things. I'm talking, boy, he's got his, I think he's got a light on me. You know what I'm talking about? And he's got a magnifying glass. You see, it's the gospel that's doing that. You read things for years, right? You look over and you just keep on. But then you start digging one out piece by piece and bit by bit. And then all of a sudden you get one little, one little glimpse of the gospel. And then the God's like, yeah, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at you. I'm reading you. Do you see that? Preacher, you're a mess. I'm a mess in the process, and I grant you. But I'm glad it's that way. I'm glad the gospel is examining. Why? Because he wants me to be more like Christ and less like Jason. Do you see that? And that's why the gospel leads me to repentance. It leads the sinner to repentance, right? It leads everyone to repentance. The gospel is the source of truth that applies for all of humanity to those that know and those that don't know. Do you see that? It has the power on both sides. The pendulum swings all the way around. You see how powerful that it is. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts going in and it cuts going out. It gets down on the inside. See, that's what I love about it is that, listen, it wasn't the men that were righteous that went to the Corinthian man and tried to deal with him. It was the gospel that they lived by, that they all believed in, and that was the source of why they went because apparently they, they hadn't gone for a while, and apparently because they knew the guy, they let it slip through the cracks. But God will not allow those things to slip through. Why? Because his gospel is holy. Do you see that? The law was holy. And God's like, so you think you've got it figured out. Well, let me just show you some things you've not thought about. I'm not going to talk about everyone else. I want to talk about you today. And when you read the gospel, right, it reads right through us. The danger in the prosperity preaching is that it makes it about you and not about him. So the things that we neglect... For example, a person can become a covetous person very quickly. Very quickly, any person could become a very covetous person, living for things other than living for God. Idolatry can creep in the door just like that. But you know what the gospel does? I mean, he hits it every time, reels me right back in. The mind can go that way. So think about this. Brother Ty, if you want to get ready tonight. I don't know the outcome of that gentleman in, in the Corinthian church. But I know those that went after him and those that had to deal with that also bore the burden of trying to gain a brother back. Then you've got those inside the fellowship, right? I mean, think about this. When we gather in here, we're all, we're all coming in here because of his blood that covers our account, his resurrection that gives us new life. We worship Him because we realize that it's not about this life. It's in the promise, the hope that we have in, in eternal life. 
the end, the saving of our souls, the Bible says. And our faith ends inside. The promise that he's going away, he's going to come back and gather us up again. That is our hope. And one thing that I'm learning through, through the years and looking out is that I just can't expect God to utilize or to use me in ministry if I'm unwilling to deal with the things that he exposes in my heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? Why would I teach you anything new when you won't learn from what I've already showed you? And what I love about it is this. God's not pushing me down. God's not trying to break me and destroy me. God just knows I need to get back on the wheel every once in a while. Do you know what I'm talking about? His salvation has forever been perfected. It's, it's, it's sealed. Saved to the uttermost. Saved. Sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That part I am secure in. I am kept by the power of God through faith. Thank God for that. But I want to tell you, when you're pressing towards the mark, that's where the struggle comes. Why would God call people, right? Why would God allow us to speak His name, to tell other people and yet deal with this bird that we know, right? You know what I'm talking about? But if that conflict wasn't there, then I wouldn't be involved at all. Do you realize there's a lot of times that when God uses you to help someone or something, it's just very familiar with things you go through yourself. How can I be the person that tries to minister to them? Why not? Look at what God's done for you. Look how God's brought you through it. And I want to say that, that a lot of times it's better just to keep your mouth closed and keep it in the heart and let God change it because a lot of times it would probably rock somebody else's world if you were to share the struggles that go inside the mind and inside the heart. So tonight, would you think about repentance in a different way? In other words, that if there's anything, anything that's there, that as you looked at what that subject matter was, that this would be the decision making of it. And again, to think differently afterwards. I'm going to fix this when I leave. I'm going to change what's been a hindrance in my life and in my heart. Reconsider. To reform and by making a reversal. To get angry at it. You know what I'm talking about. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Those guys were hitting the nail on the head. To get to the part to where it's God, this is just, it's making me sick. I'm over it. But I'm going to come to the one that can help me. Do you see what I'm talking about? It will change your mindset when you view that. And the next time it comes about, you're going to have such a hatred towards it. I mean, you're going to abhor it. You're going to be like, you know what? Satan, you can take that somewhere else today. My mind has been renewed. I'm going to put my faith in my bringing down every imagination and every stronghold. God said, I'm going to show you how to handle these things. But you know what you have to do before you can? Repent. True repentance. Tonight as we stand to our feet, if there's anything you want to bring before the Lord where you stand or on the altar... Please take this opportunity, Brother Ty. Just as I am without one thing, but that.
as we continue on in the book of Romans and, and you guys that like to read ahead and when you start looking at the Jew and the law and the advantage that they had, when we read about them, they were the most unruly people it seemed like. I've always said Hosea got the bad end of the deal. I just can't imagine that. But I also know that they didn't have the opportunity that you and I have with the Holy Spirit, being able to live on the inside and commune with God day by day, approach His throne of grace, right? To have His the complete word of the old and the new. We're living in the most blessed time there ever has been on the face of this planet. Let me just say, perilous times are coming. Perilous times are coming. When you even think about when he says there'll be wars and rumors of wars, it's already in the air. Is it not? I mean, you, you, you can just, there's so many things that we can look at and see. Surely, surely, it's closer than it ever has been before. And the last thing you want to do is go out weak. You want to go out strong. There's one prayer that I have is I want to go out in my right mind. And I want to be able to say what's on my heart. You know what I'm talking about? I want to leave that testimony. But you know what? I'm actually leaving it every day that I live. I shouldn't really have to say a thing, should we, when it comes to that time? So I, I hope and pray that as we go through this. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've, been, I've been studying this out. And I'm like, man, this, this is getting good. And today it was like a slap in the face. Well, let me show you something, big boy. Thank you, Lord. You're right. No one else could love you that way. You know what I'm talking about? I'm glad God loves us that way. That He will reveal how much we have a need for Him, even with the Holy Spirit of God, right? And I thank Him for that because it will bring correction in my life. And at the end, it will be different than it was in the beginning. That's like I always say, if you want to read about a guy, if you want to see transformation, look at Peter's life. Look at it. Dude. <laughs> I mean, he was just, you couldn't handle that dude. You didn't know what he's going to do, what he's going to say. Lord, I, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. You have no clue, dude. You know, but boy, when you read First and Second Peter, the flow of the experience that he had. I loved it when, the, Peter, they're going to come get you one day and you're old, you ain't going to like it. And Peter's like, what are you going to do with John? What about John? I'm just telling you, man, they're going to come one day and they're going to come for you. I'm glad that I have a Savior Amen. that speaks to me. I'm not being funny about this. I'm talking about His Word abides in my heart. And I'm glad that He abides in my heart. The more you read, you say it don't apply to me, there'll be a day it will. Keep reading. I'm not getting nothing out of this. You're looking at it the wrong way. You're not looking at it right. Start breaking it down and see what it does to you. Amen. Break the word down, it breaks you down even more. Amen. And you know what we do? We cry, holy, holy, holy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if He can do that to our life, pray for the sinner. Pray for the person that's lost. Don't come to church half-hearted. Come expecting. Amen. Amen. I learned a big lesson today. At the end of the service, I was like, man, it was just quiet today. It was just, you know what I mean? You have these thoughts. And then you see a person who's broken. You're like, God, I'm glad you know what's going on. It's not based on us. It's based on you. That's right. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Brother Ty.